Hi everyone and welcome to the Friday, May 29th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only truly honest and uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. We're again in my house in Sunnyvale at the Egyptian coffee table, quarantined and ready to go. My name is Mike Malone and I've been covering this town longer than anybody. I'm here with my co-host Scott Budman, essential tech reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Tad Malone who is sitting right over there. And our host for this podcast is, again, the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Now, let's get started. Okay, Scott, let me kick it off this week. We got, I got an email from uh, Mike Sanchez and his wife, Andrea Grinlin. They live in Cupertino, actually Monta Vista. And Mike asks, as two avid supporters and listeners, Andrea and I would love to hear you and Scott discuss the gauntlet throwdown between the White House and Twitter. What will this do to social media governance and oversight? How might it change behavior for both information reader and poster? And perhaps most important, will we dumb citizens be able to get to the truth faster? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Andrea and Mike. That's good to know. And that is the big issue of the day. I mean, as we speak right now, we have uh, violence erupting in Minnesota over police action, uh, we have Trump and even the White House taking to Twitter about that. Right. And Twitter, sure enough, uh, putting up warnings below those tweets saying this tweet might incite violence. Incite violence. From the President of the United States. Right. In the White House. And, and this is just, this has escalated over the last five days. Yeah, even over the last two days, it's gotten crazy. Because Trump posted a tweet about. Um, Corruption of mail-in voting and the right. dangers of it, and Twitter put a put a note on it, saying if you want to know more about you know, essentially saying the president doesn't know what he's talking about, he's lying to you. We'll show you where to look for the right answers. Is Twitter supposed to be doing this? Well, this is the big question. Uh, you have Jack Dorsey on one side saying yes, Twitter should be doing this. Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter. Right saying we want to make sure the information you read is accurate, which is really in contrast to what Facebook and its CEO Mark right. Zuckerberg is saying. He was on CNBC just yesterday saying we don't have to be accurate. You may not, and you and I have talked about it this a like, lot. It sounds like Zuckerberg had an epiphany, you know, on Wasn't the road to Damascus or something. All of a sudden, <laughs> he's like changed his mind about this. No, he didn't. He, he said from dinner the dinner with a certain orange-haired man. Well, but this this so-called epiphany you speak of happened a long time ago. He's been for months now saying it's not Facebook's place to be truthful. But but he's created this tribunal that we talked about to look at this stuff. And everybody who looks at that tribunal says, you know, this this is actually more biased than the general public. And I mean... Can you trust the Facebook tribunal looking at their records? So at least he's saying that we ought to have freedom of speech. Dorsey seems to have consciously made a decision this week that we're not going to put up with this stuff from the president anymore. And that's a much finer line than what Zuckerberg is doing. Zuckerberg is kind of taking the easy way out. We're not going to be the arbiter of truth is what he's saying. He's literally saying, you come to Facebook, good luck. You may very well read lies. Yep. Dorsey is saying, we don't want to be known for lies. We want to allow free speech, 
but we want to let you know that maybe there's another nuanced way to look at mail-in ballots. Right. And that's a tough road to hoe. Yes, it is, especially when you, your, your head uh, censor, a guy named Yoel Roth out there, has, been, has tweeted in the past, I'm just saying we fly over those states that voted for a racist tangerine for a reason. Now, is this man going to bring as much objectivity as possible to, uh, you know, his censorship? A very fair question, and the answer has to be no. You can't tweet something like that and expect to be taken seriously right. by the public. This goes back to, what, juvenile? Back in the Roman era, you know, who will guard the guardians? You, there's a selection bias. Anybody you bring in to be the arbiter of truth is going to be biased. And when they don't even seem to try to exhibit a lack of bias, where they don't consciously go out. This is what, when I was a reporter, you know, I'm a fourth generation reporter, and Tad's sitting here as a fifth generation reporter. I would have been fired for most of the reporting I see today because you, I don't see reporters going out for the opposing point of view. They're not looking for balance anymore. They're trying to get to, into print or onto the web as quick as possible for traffic. And as a result, it's getting more and more Editorial, you know, editorial is leaked into journalism, and it's not coming back. Um, so to set up individuals, you're going to be biased selecting the individuals who are going to be your censorship tribunal. Well, right, and that's kind of what this is coming down to is Twitter is saying, and, and even Facebook is saying, we're going to have these people that look at these posts and judge them. And Facebook, for all of its leave-us-alone you know, yeah. we want to be alone. We want to be alone. We don't want to be the arbiter of truth. It's still uh, bringing some posts down. Uh, Twitter is saying, okay, we're going to allow free speech, but we're going to warn you if something might incite violence or be flat-out false. But are you going to censor every politician who lies? I don't think so, and that's why I say it's such a fine line, is there's, A, you're right, no way to do this completely, right. and B, uh, no way to do it without pissing off somebody Every time you do it. Well, and, and people began to notice it's like you censor the president of the United States, but you don't censor the Ayatollah in Iran for saying, kill all the Jews. You know? Right. Which one is protected free speech? Which one is inciting violence? Exactly. Um, and, and, and there was a know, flood of these people just saying, okay, you want to censor, you know, the Republican president? Okay, here's, here's Kathy Griffin's comment. Here's... Can, you know, more, and they just a flood of examples right. of why weren't these censored as well? I mean, you, you can't please everybody, and you can't go into this thinking, I'm going to please everybody. And I'm just a first-generation reporter, but as soon as I do try to give balance to a story, you instantly hear from both sides, oh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, which yeah, to me know, means I'm doing it right. right. I, I don't I mean, mind that's that. That's like tough shit, that's the job. Exactly. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And, and I like to think that, that Twitter is jumping in saying, all right, this is going to get us more criticism, but that's what we want because we want to hear from people. We want this debate, and we want people to know that we're looking out for these posts that yep. tell you, you know, yep. take Clorox or, you know, don't mail in your ballot, things like that that are dangerously wrong. Yeah, but if you do that, are you still a platform or are you a publisher? This is what's going on with, with President Trump announcing, I'm going to enforce an executive order. We're going to throw out this special protection that we created. You're talking about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Section 230 of the Communications Act, Communications Decency Act. Right. Okay. If you're going to censor stuff and you're going to be the arbiter 
of what your readers are going to read. You're not a platform anymore. Well, you know, you are a media company. And remember, they talked about this in the 90s with Yahoo. Yeah. Uh, Yahoo was like, no, no, we're a portal. No, they were a media company. Right. Facebook is a media company. Twitter is a media company. And that comes with responsibility. But you can say, okay, it's kind of like the difference on television between, you know, cable and, and broadcast. Right. Which, which, by the way, is being blended. I mean, I work for broadcast. We're owned by a cable company. I get right. it. But cable always meant you could... Um, Say and do things. Say and do things that you could do right. right. And as that blends together in the on television world, uh, it's also really blending in the social media world. Because you're a platform, yes, allow people to speak, but you're a media company, and with that does come some responsibility. So we gave them a monopoly, essentially, to build into the some of the most powerful companies on Earth. And now they're completely influencing the, the, deba the debate in the United States and our culture. Yeah. Do we still give them carte blanche? Do we still allow them to remain a monopoly? Or well, we, I mean, but, we make them, if they're going to be arbiters, then they should be liable for the arbitration decisions they make. I'm fine with that. And, and although that hasn't been defined, I was almost hoping, but I don't know why, that when President Trump said, okay, we're going to have this executive order, that something like that might come out of it. But it didn't. It didn't. Um, and, but I, I would say we don't have a monopoly here. I mean... Facebook competes with Twitter, which competes with YouTube, which competes with, uh, you know, all sorts of things. We saw um, a, a social network you and I talked about before called Gab. This was a Silicon Valley startup right. at one point a few years ago, spinning off saying, okay, we want to do this and allow more free speech than Twitter and Facebook. It became known as a haven for conservatives, but really their whole thing is speak freely, do this. And uh, I, I've talked to the founder over the last couple of days. They've said... Because I, I was curious, yeah. does this kind of action by Twitter and Facebook bring people to the more renegade site, if you will? Right. And sure enough, uh, CEO Andrew Torba telling me they've doubled in the last couple of days. Literally Just doubled their, their traffic. Because I have a feeling the President of the United States is going to jump to Gab within and the that's next the, week. The way. And, and when you check, you find out that some fairly heavy hitter conservatives have. Ann Coulter is there. Yeah. Michelle Malkin is there. I wouldn't be surprised to see a trial balloon, maybe one of the Trump kids or something. Yeah. And then eventually, why not the president? He's, you know, his attitude on this seems to be what the heck, right? Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it's, gonna it, it's further going to create this division in the country. Now we're going to be, we only, we're starting to only talk to like-minded people, and this is going to aggravate it even worse. Right, and that's too bad. So, and I, Andrea way, and Mike, As you know, I keep yeah. saying this, I'm a free speech absolutist. Right. Twitter should be wide open to anybody unless you are committing a crime, like calling for, you're actively calling for physical violence, uh, obscenity or pornography because children are on Twitter too, and a few other things. But beyond that, let the debate go. If somebody's lying, if somebody's saying, you know, swallow detergent capsules, somebody else has to come on and, and shout them down. We're, we're not seeing... A, a full and complete view of reality from all perspectives. Because sometimes outrageous perspectives turn out to be the rule, the, the status quo a generation later. Right, and the free speech rule was, you know, but, but you're yelling fire in a crowded theater. That applies here, but it's a much different theater. 
And it's yes. a much different result if you yell fire in this theater. Yeah, and I can stand up and yell fire in a theater right now. You know that. It's not against the law. Right. And you might do some damage if someone gets trampled. Yeah, if we had gas lights, that would, might be a problem still. But So let's bring it around to Andrea and Mike. Thank you for writing in the questions. Yes, we really uh, appreciate will it, Will you be able to get the truth faster? I don't think so. No. I don't no. think the way it's going. You'll get information faster, and that provides a service. Right. But will you get the truth faster? No, I think you have to be even more discerning than ever. And I would say... Uh, be skeptical. Right. And also force yourself to look at alternative points of view. And just alternative media. Don't yes. get your political, you know, who am I going to vote for from Facebook. Just don't do it. There are right. plenty of ways to research candidates and ballot measures. Don't do it on Facebook simply because the amount of traffic that is literally aimed and allowed to wrongly sway your vote is, is just too big. Yeah, and, and don't trust the great institutions anymore. They've become as biased and imbalanced as, you know, the, the guy, crazy guy waving on the soapbox. Just bounce around the web, look at different points of view. It's the only solution right now. It's actually hard. Like Google has created it so you can't really go outside of your own orbit. Well, that's the problem. We've created these algorithms that give us back what we want. Right. And you know, to paraphrase Bob Dylan, I mean, they may know what you want, but it doesn't know what you need. <laughs> and uh, you've got to force yourself out there. And you still got to serve somebody. Okay. Uh, the other big thing. Yes, you still got to serve somebody. I don't know somebody. many Dylan lines, but I'll throw <laughs> that one at you. All right. Uh, space travel. Been a big week, a landmark week. Really? I mean, we could spend a whole show just talking about this, even though, as you and I speak on Friday morning... It hasn't launched. The, right. The launch was scrapped um, on Wednesday. It's set to, to re-up this Saturday, uh, and then maybe Sunday, depending on weather. So you may be hearing this. There may have been a launch. There may have been another delay. That doesn't stop the, uh, I think, national pride people were feeling. Yeah. And yet, not just in NASA, which is the national institution but in a private company that stepped up to help, and that is SpaceX. Again, you and I could spend an hour talking about how we got to this point in the space program, but the fascinating thing is... It's exciting. Right. At a time when people are looking for something to feel good about, the amount of positive feeling directed toward this on Wednesday morning was huge. Yeah. And we, uh, it was really what the nation, and to a large this part, the world This reminds me of 69, on. I mean, with Apollo 11. Because the country was in, still in absolute turmoil. We come out of 68, the worst year of them all. And this kind of miracle occurred that we could all join in together on. Yeah, I mean, I hope that when you and I talk next week, we'll be able to say we had a good launch yes. or we, we've progressed. But it's just fascinating. So. And, and this is something that we'll be talking about for a long time. Um, like you say, we still talk about 69 uh, 2020, if, if this thing launches, we've taken astronauts into space, and we've done it with a big, significant twist. Yes. We're not now just dependent on the taxpayer. We're now using it's private industry. Private money. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, now, a skeptical note from our friend, our Massachusetts correspondent, Bob Grove. By the way, Bob Grove was with the camera crew filming the classroom uh, when the Challenger blew up. Whoa. Yeah, he was I remember that. pointing the camera at the kids, and uh, he's, he's still scarred from that one. But he asked an interesting question. He was watching the thing on the coverage on Discovery Channel, and all of a sudden he said two things came, came up here. One of them was the whole thing was a pan to Elon Musk, and it was just filled with Katy Perry singing her new hit. And he said, what happened to the age of 
you know, John Chancellor and Walter Cronkite, my old buddy James Burke on the BBC. Now we got Katy Perry singing your songs. I must have missed that. Um, maybe you had to be on a certain feed to get the Katy Perry song. <laughs> yeah. I was just tuned into NASA. Corporate money brings. Yeah, yeah well, it's 2020. We did mention, right, that the taxpayers are off the hook for this yeah. one largely, so thanks, <laughs> Katy Perry. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever okay. it takes. Uh, speaking of Elon Musk, actually, you just brought him up, and I want to bring up something that just hit, I believe, lose yesterday. Yeah. Um, back in 2018, way back then, uh, he signed a pay package with Tesla that at the time a lot of people thought was preposterous. Right. Because in order to even start getting this pay package, which was tremendously big, um, people poo-pooed it because the stock would have to more than triple. Uh, the market cap would have to stay above, I think, $150 billion, something crazy for a long time. All these marks that he had to hit. Right. Well, sure enough. He hit it. He hit them. And payment number one, literally, the first round of this reward 1.7 million shares, as of this moment, worth a shade less than $800 million. That's a payday, folks. And is I guess you he, could Is he said, worth it? I think well, he is. I, th I think... Yeah, if you're a shareholder, you're really not complaining, are you? No, no. And culturally, I think Elon Musk has done more for the American spirit of, I don't know, adventure, capitalism, entrepreneurship than anybody of his generation. I mean, who else is out there? making us feel like this. Who's got us looking at the stars again? True. And it's not somebody saying, here's the 4,000th dating site for right. us. I mean, electric cars, <laughs> that's a big that's leap. A big deal. And uh, and certainly, you know, changing the way we and travel in space. And I turn on space. TV and there's Jay Leno and Elon in the, in the pickup <laughs> truck driving, yes, through, the, driving the, through the tunnel. In the cyber truck. In the cyber truck. It was cool. There's also, what's it called, Starlink? The, oh, the satellites. Yeah. yeah, the satellites. Yeah, yeah. He's actually doing things that like help people, and he's thinking Man. big. He's thinking like a as crazy 19th as he is. century, you know, robber baron kind of. Thing. I don't know. I don't know. If that's a good model. Well, <laughs> well, but I think there's certain analogies. They were a little crazy, but they were, you know, right. They were mavericks too, and they thought big. And I tell you, I remember what it was like to be a new father. I wasn't getting much done. Yeah. If I had a good walk and some diaper <laughs> yeah. changes, I high fived myself. Good for him. Um, all right, so we got a little more time. Uh, Real quick. Okay. We were you were talking last week about what if everybody goes home to work and, <laughs> and, and work, you know, and we all do everything, um, you know, virtually, and will we'll Silicon Valley turn into a ghost town? Well, I don't think we have to worry about that because a new study found that all those tech workers that are fleeing San Francisco – you know what their first choice of going to? <laughs> this <laughs> is your Silicon prediction. Silicon Valley, 50 miles away. You called this decades ago. <laughs> we, oh, I did. I, I always said the future of the valley is the intersection of 237, 101, and 85. And, and take a look out there. There True it is. True story. One of the first times you and I met, we were on a panel for some reason together. And this was a while ago, so the heat was all on Twitter and Square and Uber, and, and I think Uber was just a startup. And you said the growth is going to be in the South Bay. Right. And everybody in the audience laughed because they said, no, nah, no, nah, that's Intel and AMD, that's old. It's all in San Francisco now. And granted, San Francisco has had its day, but you're right. We've seen a lot of startups and a lot of the big guys come back and want to be in the South Bay. Right. And I, I think of that night but often, South it's, it's Bay coming has, true. South Bay has a quarter of the density of San Francisco. If you're sitting out there social distancing, working <laughs> at home in your little 800-square-foot apartment, <laughs> right. the idea of a lawn and a backyard 
at a den. This sounds awfully appealing. Especially for young families. It's been that way in San Francisco for a long time, where you'll work at the startup. Right. Um, because it's sexy and they and have a lot of startups. And then you get and you have kids. Right, and then you're thinking, whoa, and San Francisco is, is not known for great schools. It's no. transportation. It's crazy. And then you say, all right, I, I do want that backyard. So we maybe are seeing that shift as some of these tech companies begin to mature. Tracy. Go out to Tracy. That's where you can still get a deal. It's actually, it's actually insane that there's ever a chance, a potential for growth considered for San Francisco. I know. I did an article all about the music industry there, and it's just a perfect example. Like, there's literally... What is it? Like, this, the city of San Francisco is... Like 10 square miles. It's 10 square miles, yeah. And it's, it's, seven by seven. It is bounded. It's bounded. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, some little items. California unemployment claims have fallen to a two-month low, so maybe this thing is now flattened out and will start improving. I don't know. I think saying it's a two-month low is a it's deceiving headline. Well, We're still I mean, setting records. It's context, yeah. yeah uh, context, and, and that means a whole lot of people... Uh, just a couple of, of things to check on that. The EDD saying yeah. we're desperate for people to answer phones. That's yes. how, because a lot of people are So are they going to hire the 30,000 that got uh, laid off at Apple? Um, <laughs> that, that would be a move from Apple yeah. to the EDD. Um, but yeah, uh, we're, we're starting to see just a huge group of people. Yeah. In some counties, a quarter of the people don't have jobs. Um, and that is going to take a while to turn around. To it always it does. And so, not the good to mention, start is Apple starting to reopen some of its uh, stores. Yeah, and and I think that's interesting on a couple of levels. I mean, it won't bring a whole lot of jobs back, but are people ready to say, "Oh, I'm going to upgrade to that 11 Pro right now"? No, you know, no. I don't know, um, but maybe so. Who knows? Uh, Netflix may have a new rival. HBO is finally coming into the streaming game. HBO Max. Well, HBO's been streaming for a while. Yeah. If you, if you, that's how we all saw Game of Thrones. They have like nine different streaming Yeah, they just options. have so many. Yeah, but they're going for 50 million subscribers in, in 2025. It's easy to make those predictions well, five and, and years earlier. How, how times have changed. Yeah. Uh, now we're saying, whoa, is HBO going to challenge Netflix? Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's a statement right there. Yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. Uh, your winner of the week. All right, my winner of the week, and we, we you know, talked a lot, a lot about these guys doing well, um, but I'm going to pick uh, Shopify. I uh, don't know if you know them, but a lot of people shop on them. They had a week because of all the things that Facebook did that have us shaking our heads, Yeah. because after all, they're Facebook. Uh, they announced a shopping initiative, and Facebook has not successfully been a commerce place before, right. so they said, we're going to do it with Shopify. And Shopify was already doing well, uh, this just kicked it up another notch. Look at the stock price. It's bananas because now they've got Facebook behind them. And this could do for Shopify in a shopping way what Facebook did for Instagram when it came to photos. It gives them a huge, huge um, tailwind. Okay. Is Facebook going to secure the data on our purchasing from Shopify? Uh, we'll they find haven't out been trustworthy in the past. No, do, you, no. do you want your purchases, <laughs> especially like pharmaceutical purchases, made public knowledge? I, I only hope that they learned the first time they did this yeah. and how embarrassing it was when they said... Uh, was it a searchlight? That was I, something yeah. like that, where it would say, Mike bought an engagement ring. Yeah. And then Carol, who's on Facebook, is looking at that saying, oh, hey, Mike. And there goes your surprise uh, proposal. Oh, that's a nice one. How about the sexy underwear that your wife realizes you bought that she didn't get? Right. Yeah, or the preparation age. I went positive. You went Yeah. Anyway. yeah. The preparation <laughs> age. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so right, all sorts of embarrassing ways that Facebook can put our data out there in the public. Uh, right. None of us want our shopping to be public. Right. 
um, like our voting. There, there are yeah. a few things we want to keep a mystery. Uh, my loser of the week is Quibi. We've given these guys a chance. We're talking a billion dollars that investors gave them in the bank. Jeffrey Katzenberg, nobody better in the media industry. Meg Whitman, nobody better in the consumer industry. Right. It's a dream team. And what do they do? Short videos for your phones. Yes. Which <laughs> sounds bad. And then we get to a scenario where, all right, we'll give you a couple months where you have nothing to do but watch short video on your phones. Right. And they still can't get people to care. Yeah. And they have wonderful talent. Christy Teigen's got a show. Who doesn't want to watch Chrissy Teigen? But um, they just didn't make it work. It sounded bad. And now they're admitting it's just not window. working. Yeah, well, yeah. but what window? what window? I mean, we had people <laughs> sitting at home for months. That's what I mean. That was a window. That was a window. They had, they had a captive audience right. with short attention spans, and they couldn't do it. And, right, we know that we're all watching video. Netflix has never sure. been stronger. HBO's coming out with this eighth, you know, whatever thing. Um, but Quibi is really uniquely uh, failing, uniquely flopping yeah. in a time when it shouldn't be flopping. Interesting. All right, your winner. My winner's Gab. Good choice. Uh, we talked about it before, but I actually came up with this before we. Uh, I got the stuff from you. Um, my bet: Trump quits Twitter within the next week or two. He moves to Gab. He's going to take fifty million people with him. Does he and, quit Twitter and move, or does he just go on both? Well, it'd be interesting if he was on both to show what he really said and what gets censored. See, that's what I wonder. He's doing this where he says, okay, I don't trust the New York Times or NBC or all right. this, you know, that's why I went liberal Twitter. media. Well, so I'll answer a question from OAN or something yeah. like that. This would be almost that sort of thing to say, okay, I don't trust big tech. So I'll go to a smaller company that says we'll give you free speech. Um, right. So we'll see what, what well, happens. Well, because my sense is he's going to, if he moves over there, Every, all the conservatives and, and Republicans are going to move over there, but the media has to move over there, yes. too. Yes, And then the left's going to have to move over there because they realize, hey, we get to really complain about Trump for once and say what we think. This could end up being an absolute landslide. Well, I was, in, in, uh, I was back and forth with their CEO the other day, and I said, hey, if all this stuff happens... You're I the only guy he talks to. You are our interpreter. It's a little, it's a little unusual, but uh, we'll take it. Um, <laughs> they have, they have, you know, hey, they've, they started in Silicon Valley. Yeah. This is a Silicon Valley startup. Um, and yeah, I was just saying, you. I hope your servers you're, you're are ready. You're obviously doing something right because you're the only reporter he trusts in the world. <laughs> well, so far, so good. Uh, you know what, though? I've seen this with Reddit before where mm -hmm. a controversial community gets banned or yep. it's the threat of ban, and they all, like, oh, we're going to vote or some other, like, knockoff Reddit site. Yeah. And they do, and, but then it's the site's shitty and can't meet, doesn't have, like, capability to have that much traffic, and then they all come quietly crawling back to Reddit <laughs> after, like, a month or two. Right, and even while they're there, like you said, Mike, you're still preaching to the same choir. Mm -hmm. And so it's not so much that you're, you're reaching out, but just... Telling the same people the same things, and the, that's the danger. But when the ten-ton elephant, literally the Republican elephant, right. president of the United States, that's, moves that's over, a, that's a deciding factor. It'll be interesting. That's It'll almost a company killer for for Twitter. Okay, my loser, polite debate. Uh, I, I said this earlier, but we are turning into a divided country, like we haven't seen in fifty years. I hate. I hesitate to say 100, 140 years. You know, one hundred fifty years, but. Uh, 
everybody's talking to themselves. They're only talking to people of their like thinkers. And uh, this is going to get worse. And this, this whole Twitter dust up just makes, just amplifies this. It aggravates the situation. And now we're going into a presidential campaign season where this stuff gets really ossified. And it's, it's, it's worrisome. Yes, I agree. And I think that's what we need to look out for is misinformation. No matter what these sites are telling us they're going to police, we just have to really be careful about what we read. And remember, back they're in the... They're lying to you, folks. Everybody's lying. <laughs> Assume all the information you're receiving is inaccurate and find contradictory evidence. Well, You've got to do it yourself because the, the modern media is not going to do it for you. Journalists are not that way anymore. Um... You want, well, to, you, you want me to stand here and defend beside, my presen- profession? You. I'll say this. But well, you're not a political reporter. You're no, no. I'll say reporter. I'll say this. Uh, this is what my mom always told me, and she was fine with the media. It wasn't that, but she always said, if I had a question, look it up. Yeah. And she meant the dictionary or whatever. Um, look it up, and that just give it a second chance, get a second opinion. Whether that first opinion comes from Twitter or NBC or ABC or whatever, look it up. Do a little more research, and you might find out. Ah. This is a nuanced issue, and it deserves more scholarship. And that's what I'd like to see. Hey, pa- just pause for an hour before you post a comment. <laughs> or that too. And, yes. and as the third reporter's perspective, <laughs> I agree with both positions, but I also say to remember, always ask, qui bono? Who yeah, benefits? who benefits from it? Exactly. What's their agenda? When I was an investigative reporter, that was always the crucial thing. People would have really devastating information, but my question always was, why are they telling me this? What are they gaining from it? And until you know that, you can't trust what they're telling you. Very true. Okay, so that's it for now, folks. You can follow Scott on Twitter and Facebook, and, of course, watch him every weeknight at 5, 6, and 11 on NBC Bay Area. As for our producer, you can find Tad's work these days on Instagram. And, of course, you can find us, along with Tad's blog, on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify and Patreon. And Google and Apple. We're everywhere these days. Say something. In the meantime, say something kind to someone you disagree with. See you next week.